I am here on location here at Rochambeau Coffee House and Tea House, and sitting across from me is the owner. I'm so excited to be here with Melissa Honkamp. Just my first question, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good. Uh, we were just talking earlier off, off air about how things are going, obviously, during this pandemic and kind of just perceiving the general um, Milwaukee coffee culture, but I want to start it, start it specifically with, with your business. You know, historically, you've, we talked about earlier, you've been, a, you guys have been around and been a huge part of the city for, you know, over 20 years at this point. Kind of taking more of that, you know, holistic approach to this business and serving environmentally friendly products. I know that's something you're super passionate about. Um, where does that come from, and do you think that you know your consumers have appreciated that more over the years? You know, that's a good question. I really have no idea. I would hope that they do. I know at one point I was told that another chain in the city, they did, they would not make the choice to bring on more expenses as far as with packaging and things like that with biodegradable coffee, to-go coffee cups, unless the consumer demand was there to um, drive the price increase. And that's just never been the perspective that I've taken. I've always wanted to set the example and lead the way. And we made a decision, I think I made a decision about five years ago, maybe it was six years ago, to go all organic with the dairy. It's been a challenge. Um, there's a lot of dairy shortages in the summer when it gets hotter, the cows aren't producing. And knock on wood, Sometimes we've had to go, our distributor doesn't have that, uh, the dairy products. I've had to go to three different grocery stores to get the organic milk, but we have never had a situation where we've run out of milk and I've had to replace it with traditional milk. As far as like with the to-go packaging, it's been very interesting. Most people, you have salespeople that will come in and they'll say, well, we have a to go 16 ounce hot ounce hot cup and it is biodegradable or recyclable and the next question I ask them is does it need to go to a certified recycling facility in order for it to be recycled well yes it does right so then the next question I ask is well how many of those facilities are in the state of Wisconsin the answer is zero. So you have all of these cups out there running around saying, I'm recyclable, but you would have to take your cup and you would have to find a designated receptacle to put that <laughs> cup into, and then somebody would have to take it to a place that doesn't exist in the state of Wisconsin. Right. So that led me to this big long goose chase of how can I find a cup that will actually break down if somebody puts it in their compost? I found that cup, but it was a lot more expensive. So then you get the pandemic hitting and all of your cups have to be the to-go cups right. and your costs go up considerably. So I've been able to find an alternative resource from the same company that will still break down if you put it in your own compost at home or whatever. But back to your original question, do the customers appreciate it? I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I certainly appreciate what goes behind what we're doing. Absolutely. Melissa Honkamp joins me.
from Rochambeau, and it's generally known, I think, around the city as, as more of this homey style, you know, neighborhood cafe. Obviously, it's the only one of its kind in the city. I remember being greeted super well um, by Brian first time I was here, and you know, from from a you know perspective of being here, obviously for for many many years, is that something you've emphasized over the years, being welcoming to customers? You know, that was definitely uh, 26 years ago. That was kind of one of the things that we really focused on is getting to know the customers. I mean, obviously there's people that come in and they just, they don't want to converse with you. They just want their to-go coffee and they, you know, want to move along. But then one thing that was really unique that my husband set into place very consciously was having the bar with six or seven or eight stools at it. Yep. So that people could sit there and have their beverage and actually engage with what whichever barista was working behind the counter. And because of that, it really enabled us to start building uh, relationships with people. And, and one person that I remember in particular, he used to live a couple of blocks away. He drove a con an old convertible red Saab. So you'd always know when Bob was here because his <laughs> Saab would be parked with the, the top down, even if it was like 40 degrees out across the, the street. And he would text he would text me if for some reason somebody didn't show up yet, we weren't open. I mean, we were on that close of a basis with a regular customer that, you know, he'd text me. I have somebody sitting next to me right now who will also text me <laughs> if a barista is late getting to work. So we have people that have been coming here since the beginning of time. And I can't tell you how many people I just went and got a, um, a Myers cocktail IV the other day, and the nurse that administered my IV said, oh my God, you own Rochambeau? My friend and I used to go there all the time when we were in nursing school. Yeah. I have to text her right now and tell her. I went and uh, did a personal training with somebody yesterday, and he goes, oh, I used to go to Rochambeau all the time. Or my chiropractor who said to me, oh, my daughter, she would always go there when she was studying. Yeah. So it's amazing. I mean, 26 years into it, all of the people, and sometimes you don't remember, I don't remember everybody's face, everybody's names, but I remember faces. And, right. and a lot of times once I start talking with them, their stories start coming back into my mind. And then I can ask specific questions about how they're doing and catch up, but... The one thing that we've always seen is you might not see somebody for eight years. And, and I know Brian would attest to this also. They'll walk in the door and it's like they've never been gone. It's amazing. It's really a, a, an interesting phenomenon. But, you know, those are the kind of things that you're like, wow, we really do have relationships that we forged with people. Right. That is, it is kind of a testament to, obviously, like you said, being back for eight years and it's like you never left from a you know college student perspective you talked about getting some studying done here for for one of those stories that you had mentioned just for me being obviously this year a junior at Marquette and trying to get to different places around the city to kind of just take a break from the bedroom and getting normal you know the, the normal work from home environment these days with the pandemic have you seen a steady flow of students throughout the years who just need that, you know, escape from campus? Students, but just even people in the neighborhood. 
obviously right. the student culture has is always been a big part be it w with us being in the middle between UWM, Myad, Marquette, um, MSOE. I mean, there's so many universities all around. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that I think about is being able to maintain some ability to have indoor seating during this pandemic. I think about this 80 year old lady who lives in the neighborhood and one day she walked in and we only were I think having maybe seating for eight or ten people at the time and she walked in and she just looked at me and she said thank God you have stayed open and there is a place for me to come. I have nowhere else to go. And I think the biggest thing for us being able to be one of the few places around that was at least able to maintain some sort of occupancy, Right. it allowed exactly for that. And not just for people to have a place to come and work, but just to have some type of human interaction and that's one of the reasons when we got to a point where the staff felt comfortable working, that was one of the main driving forces to have some type of indoor seating is for people to have a place to escape to outside of their four walls in their houses or apartments or dorms and have a place to have human interaction. And for anyone who's ever met Brian, Brian's a big reason I would come <laughs> down here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. He's, uh, he's worth the trip. There you go. You got, you got the hours right there. Rochambeau Coffee and Tea House. Melissa Honkamp sitting down with me this morning. We talked about earlier, and one of, the, one of the big things that you talked about before we started that caught my eye was just that blend of booze and coffee. It's one of your big taglines, you know, best Irish coffee in town. So, you know, how in general do you perceive Milwaukee as both, you know, brew city in terms of beer, but, but also coffee? So that's an interesting question because you look at Lakefront Brewery. I know a bunch of the different coffee shops have formed relationships with breweries and are making their own coffee-based brews. I think Valentine got together with one of the local distilleries and made an espresso vodka. I'm not quite sure if that ever hit the market. I think it did. But I think they kind of go hand in hand. Um, you have a lot of local roasters and local brewers who are really trying to take the flavors and the taste experience to another level. Um, really a different approach from your standard Folgers. I mean, there's so many nuances that can be brought out in beans and in beer and in liquors. And I think you're really, you know, we have a very creative culture of business-minded people that are doing a great job really, really forging new frontiers in, in, in all of those areas. Absolutely. And, and kind of, you know, hand in hand with that, um, just your whole business model during the pandemic, you guys obviously had to, you know, change up businesses and way the business in ways that you've probably never had to. And especially as that type of, you know, neighborhood cafe type vibe where you have so many regulars, just how difficult was it, you know, to, to pivot and have you learn anything, one big lesson from this whole process? Well, I would say that there are probably, there are two times that I have cried 
having to close the doors. One right. was in 2002, I believe. Maybe it was 2004. When I walked in after having been out of town for 10 days, and I looked at the ceiling and I saw a crack that had not been there before. And maybe I wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't been gone, but I had a guy come in I walked in the next morning because he worked all night after business hours and there were support beams all the way down the first floor. There had been a partial collapse of the second floor. No way. And the second time I cried was when I realized there was no way we could safely stay open at the very beginning of the pandemic and I had to close the doors. So the question to what kind of changes and challenges, so the first thing that I started thinking about. I am a, a person who has been exposed to biotoxin illness from mold. So I've got had a lot of research under my belt about what to do to try and purify the air. Right. So I was able to take that knowledge and apply it to what we did with the business. So we installed UV lights into the the business is set up with two different floors and there's a separate air conditioning system on the first floor and a second on the second floor and then we have uh, radiant heat for the, the heat in the winter well so we put in uv lights in the first floor air conditioning system and the second floor and we're running the fan non-stop 24 7 along with having the radiant heat going on and we have fresh air intake in addition to that, we replaced all of our tabletops with copper tabletops. Right. Copper has been found that if you were to leave the COVID virus untouched on a living surface like copper, it will be dead in four hours. Wow. And during that four hour period, it's degrading the whole time. Right. It's something new every day. <laughs> right. And then the other thing that we did is there were some issues with our old hundred some year old floor. And so we took the opportunity to remove a hump that was going down the middle of the floor, replace old wood and keep the original wood that we were able to and just kind of piece everything together. But it allowed us to make operational changes that way, changes to the building that we'd always wanted to do, but just didn't want to close down for a week to do it. Right. So once we did that, we've got essential oils that are antiviral, antibacterial and properties that are going right now. Brian has them going every day, as do the other staff later in the evening. Um, we also have plug-in UV lights. We have a service that actually is servicing, I think, most of the businesses on our block. They come in and they do uh, disinfecting on the bathrooms. And they put some type of a antibacterial, antiviral coating on the surfaces so that the viruses just and bacteria just slide right off. And they come in every week yeah. and do that. So that's kind of a, that's a new technology that I had not heard about that came about because of the pandemic. So that's something else that we've been able to utilize. 100%. I know. I got you on the clock. A couple rapid fire to finish up. <laughs> Number one, uh, favorite drink on your menu? Is that even a fair question? Because this is probably, if you guys don't have the biggest menu, it's I really can't answer that. I, <laughs> I love coffee, but I have to stay away from it nowadays. And we have so many amazing teas that I just couldn't break it down into 
I would probably say I tend to gravitate towards Tima teas, and they have a lemongrass ginger or a butterfly tea, which is a blend of pea blossom and lemongrass. And I think it's okay. a really interesting company. It's a single origin estate in Thailand, and it is run and owned by women, which is very, very unique. Right. Especially in that area of the world, it's a very male-dominated um, business. And single origin is very, very interesting because most, I think pretty much all of your companies you're going to source your ginger from one country. You'll source your cardamom from another country, and then you'll put them all together in your tea blend. Whereas at this particular place where Tima is partnered with in Thailand, everything that goes into their teas are grown on that estate. So that's kind of a long answer for my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I could we could sit here all day. Uh, last two to wrap up real quick. What would be your drink of choice today? Obviously, we're sitting down. Um, do, do you have a go-to every morning that you would get to, or you do switch it up? Because I know I'm I'm more of the latter. I love matcha lattes with almond milk. Okay. My favorite. There we go. Last one. Any non-coffee spots in Milwaukee that you'd like to endorse? Non-coffee. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we don't want to endorse any competition. Um, no, but any I mean, I'm always supportive of other businesses. I, Collectivo was Altera, and they were our original coffee roaster for 17 years, and I still am a big supporter of that business. Valentine is our roaster now. I'm a big supporter of Rob and, and Joe and their businesses. Um, that's a hard question. There's so many small, independent, local businesses, restaurants. Right. You just want to support them all, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, obviously the, the smaller local businesses, they all have their challenges, but it's so worth it to support people that are, are deriving their livings from this and they're passionate about their communities. How about one on, we're here on Brady Street, obviously. Is there one that comes to you here in, in the street that you've been here for so long? I'm going to have to think about that for a quick second. Oh Eric, do you have a favorite one on Brady Street? Ah, so one of our longtime regular cross customers is also endorsing Brood, which is right up the street. They've been here for as long as we have. They serve food, which we do not, and they're very mindful about their ingredients. So certainly we are not that way we would support other coffee shops on our street <laughs> right well it's kind of the perfect way to end it getting a, an answer from the audience here from one of the customers <laughs> it is it is that neighborhood cafe sort of sort of vibe and come here if you haven't already rochambeau coffee and tea house sitting down with owner melissa Honkamp. you've been here as you mentioned for 26 years is that right 26 years rochambeau was started in 1995 by my husband Michael Honkamp and uh, a bunch of his friends. And I've been carrying on the tradition for probably 20 years myself. There we go. Well, Melissa, I appreciate it. This was a blast. You were awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, you know, good luck finishing up the, hopefully the tail end of, of the pandemic. And we appreciate it. And I know Milwaukee appreciates it. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Melissa and Michael Hotkamp, for opening their doors up to me and being so welcoming. That is the vibe for a place that has been at the forefront of Milwaukee coffee so long. It has both historic and a holistic perspective to it, bringing that priority to Brady Street since 1995. Say hi to Brian and the crew at Rochambeau the next time you get a chance. This is Milwaukee Coffee, Reimagine Brew City.